The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber at the New York Stock Exchange. We're coming off new highs on S&P NASDAQ. Futures pretty steady as the bulls try to rally around vaccine approval hopes, Jackson Hole hopes, and some new signs of policy support in China. Hang Seng up 2%, China Tech up 7%. Our roadmap this morning begins with Rally On, those Chinese tech names surging, reversing course as bargain hunters surge for value. Plus the FAA opening a new broad review of Boeing. We're going to tell you what they're looking at and quote actually not great elon musk criticizing his own company's latest self-driving software we'll get some details on that straight ahead so we're going to watch some of the chinese tech names we're going to watch oil today jim coming off the best day since april boom what a bounce up and i think that we got to get used to the idea that when it gets to 70 it goes down because that's when the uh, the saudis don't want it that much higher because what the saudis are worried about are things like are like Pioneer, uh, Devon. They have the ability to turn it on if they want to. Uh, they're very profitable companies. Uh, when you have oil companies that are not living hand to mouth, they can actually do the right thing. They can hold back when it's at 60, and they can... I have Denbury Resources tonight. You do? It's a good one, yeah, where they can... They have some hedges that are coming off. Denbury, by the way, is the single best carbon capture company, which is why I'm featuring them. Hmm. No, yeah, don't, don't even start. This suit is fabulous. But anyway, uh, I do think that we do. Oh, there we go. I do think that oil is a huge story because when it goes up, people say, oh, the opening. I mean, it, oh, by the way, people say the dollar. You ever hear that? That's just journalists talking. The dollar is a, that's just when I don't know what to say. I'll talk about the dollar. I've done so much work on this dollar thing. Do you know, it's just a completely false tell. It is. Okay. Why? Because it doesn't correlate. It doesn't prove anything. There's so, no correlation. So we shouldn't spend any time I talking about at, it. I've got 20 years worth of non-correlations. But it's something that people say. I'm actually going to speak about the idea that the Saudis don't like it at 70. Uh, it's too high. You know, they don't want to start getting people to do it. And then at down 60, they turn it off. And we turn it on. And our rig count goes up. When it goes to 70, our rig count goes up. What is that? That's something I don't need. You have to throw it away right then? <laughs> you know, why don't you say something? <laughs> there is so much going on, um, and I would. I thought I was going to say something. <laughs> Go ahead. Give it a shot. <laughs> Give it All your right. best shot. Give it my best shot. Well, can yeah. we, should we talk about Chinese tech companies? Yeah, I've got some great stuff there. On. I've got some great stuff on. The fact that ARC is coming back into some of the names. They're nimble. Very nimble. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good word for it. They are nimble. Well, because they said don't, they don't want to buy Chinese stocks. They didn't call them right. uninvestable. Right. And then they buy Chinese stocks. Yeah. That's very, that, that to me is nimble. All right. Well, they see value. Listen, I would, I would add, though, with ARC, and of course, we're talking about Kathy Wood and the, the Wood stocks, um, the transparency that we've got there, let's not forget it. 
You and I grew up in a time when nobody knew anything about right. what anybody was doing. Right. And now uh, you get every day. You know exactly what she's doing. I mean, there is a real benefit to that. Well, I think there is. And she did say, when we go back and look, we, should, we never said the Chinese names were uninvestable. This is before this. What we have said is because of the social engineering, it seems that it seems or reengineering taking place in China that the valuations associated with these companies are damaged. And we don't think they're going to go up anytime soon. Now, the problem with that is that was said quite recently. So anytime soon may have been, I get what, a 24 hour period? 48 hours? Yeah, that's from our interview Wednesday, uh, Wednesday. with her on Tech Check. Yep. Well, all right. She had, I, said I, that she had said the Chinese names deserved a reset because of the rhetoric coming out of uh, Xi's office. Well, and we tried rhetoric, to get her to say, well, are these names uninvestable? She wouldn't, wouldn't go there. That. No, that's true. But I mean, I don't realize, I didn't see a wholesale shift. Uh, towards social engineering. If anything, things have gotten tougher. Now, there are some things that happened last night, like Macau, which is where Wynn is gambling, and MGM. They Listen, said that you don't have to show, right. you don't have to, you, instead of a 48-hour, you, you can wait seven days to use an old test. Right. Also, the SEC is giving these Chinese companies sort of new requirements in terms of disclosures. Remember, they were looking at the VIE structure closely. Right. You got a lot of back and forth. RSCC requiring certain things, and obviously the Chinese regulators all over the place. Well, the Chinese can have the ability to let their stocks acquire from these Chinese companies, particularly those that plan on listing outside of China. Well, it's entirely possible that people felt that when Kathy Wood, who is such a guru, uh, exited because she felt that these stocks are uh, quizzical, uh, that other people may have shorted them. And what you're seeing is a short squeeze of tremendous proportions. and not look. Uh, she did not choose to issue a statement saying stocks should be higher. No, and, and as we know, there's this concern that they're going to continue to crack down on, for lack of a better term, wealthy people. Right. Uh, and they're common, common, prosper- common prosperity, um, but, the, but the wealthiest, uh, uh, and then that has translated into some luxury-related um, companies' stocks going down. Because the Chinese consumer, particularly at the high end, represents a great deal of potential growth for many of these companies. And if there were to be some sort of a crackdown in that way, there's been a concern. But meanwhile, Jim, we're watching these names up double digits this morning. Well, the many, short squeezes. Up, some of them up double digits. I said last night, you, gotta, you can do buy them for two weeks, and then they'll come back and they'll say, all right, we've had enough of that. Let's, let's go down and take a look at them. Now, you know that there are many, many millionaires in China. Now, Val Afshar is a guy I like to quote. He's from... From uh, Salesforce. Salesforce. He goes, according to the World Bank, sorry for my reading here, 750 million Chinese were living below the international poverty line of $1.90 per day in 1990. Now it is below 10 million. Get this. There are more households with wealth over 110,000 in China than in the United States. 100 million versus 99 million. Wow. So that's, you know. They created a middle class. And they did it in what? They created a middle class. 30 years? Yeah. Using dictatorial means. But also, Deng Xiaoping said, listen, remember what the quote with Deng Xiaoping was? Let's let some people make a lot of money, and then we'll worry about it. Right. Well, now they're worried about it. But those numbers are staggering, the common prosperity. That really is common prosperity. Imagine That's if we did that. That's what they wanted, though, Jim. That is what right, they wanted. But now wanted. I think they're saying, listen, we've reached that, and we're no longer going to play this game of letting these people be so rich. That, that's what's happening. All right. Like, are they cocking down the Richemont watches, the $500,000 Richemont watches, because they're not allowed to have expensive homes? 
That's what I want to know about. Well, that's what Richmond shareholders want to know about, too. It's yes, the stock's gotten. We know that Estee Lauder is telling you that they're buying. The Estee Lauder stuff is not cheap. Yeah. You ever buy Lemur? No, uh, no. No, I know it's no. not cheap, though. How about Tom Ford? You bought Tom Ford? No. But Two Face? Who? Did you say Two Face or Toothpaste? Just, yeah, I, yeah. I don't buy anything. Your, your lack of you knowledge know that. about women's cosmetics is frightening. <laughs> Okay. Um, part of, so part of it is uh, signs of some, some more support uh, in China. The other part, Jim, is that with the approval of the Pfizer vaccine, uh, maybe some of these company mandates are going to have some weight, uh, both yes. in the public and private sector. Yesterday alone, Chevron, Disney's unionized employees, Texan I see this morning, New Jersey teachers, New York City teachers, of course, the military, and then the Business Roundtable, which had a statement last night saying, uh, not only do we applaud these companies for instituting mandates, but we urge policymakers not to get in their way, basically. Well, how about a, a governor uh, like the state uh, from the governor of the state of Texas who allowed a cruise from Galveston where a person died from COVID? Uh, the cruise, by the way, was uh, a carnival cruise at uh, 2,800 passengers could be in a mid-sized ship and they, you know, 4,200, this is just the odd numbers, we don't have it from Carnival, uh, are 5% unvaccinated, it's 200 unvaccinated. Uh, remember, when you see these kinds of numbers, what you have to think is that there is breakthrough galore, right? And the breakthroughs are making it so that you can't really have a person who has COVID on a, on a cruise ship. You can't. Because the numbers were staggering, the numbers of people who got it. This is a New York Times story. You know, Texas, the chip chip out of Texas, which bans businesses, bans businesses from unvaccinated? No, bans businesses from requiring vaccinations. Right. So Frank Del Rio, who is my hero, who went to, uh, had to go to battle against the Florida governor. Yeah. Okay. And then one in federal court because the federal judge said there is no there is no protected class for the unvaccinated and that the pandemic matters on the commonweal. And I think what what I like what Frank told me this morning, keeping our guests and crew COVID free is job one done right with 100 percent vaccinated population plus testing everyone before boarding makes cruising aboard a Norwegian uh, Oceania region ship the safest vacation activity on Earth. No shortcuts, no exceptions, no problem. Had that happened, that wouldn't be a lot. Uh, that woman would be alive. The, well, the more concerning quote comes from one of the spokespeople, I think, at Carnival, uh, who said that um, these policies are meant to mitigate the threat, which is everywhere, unfortunately, and it's going to remain everywhere for a long time. I disagree with that. I think if you're 100 percent vaccinated and tested, it is not the case. Now, look, but if you're vaccinated and if you've gotten a booster at some point, which may become more more likely than not in the let's call it the next six months. You're not likely to get very sick. Well, this woman died. Now, she was 77. We don't know her comorbidity. And I right. look, okay, let me pull back. But the vast majority Could she of have, people who, who did, did this keep did this cause her to die? No, she died. We're asymptomatic. But I would prefer to be to have a governor who says, hey, listen, maybe people should be vaccinated rather than a governor who's Without fighting. Without a doubt, of course. So Carnival may, have to be, may, may want to have had everyone vaccinated. The governor won him. Right. Understood. So you shouldn't shouldn't cruise from Galveston. But again, I want All to take that. Said, though, I want to say I Jim, do not. I'm not going to blame Carnival. I'm going to blame policies. No, understood. But all that said, we are going to see a pickup in in businesses that do feel free to mandate vaccines for their returning employees based on now Pfizer being fully 
approved by the FDA. No longer emergency but, use. But you were going to have and you're elected have officials who try to stand on the way. You're going to have lawsuits. Well, what, and what, what, like what exactly that. is the uh, principle that, that the governor is trying to uphold here? The principle, the right to be able to be unvaccinated, it, where a federal judge has said that's not a protected class. The right to get sick, right to get other people sick. What's the what's the principle here? I, I don't. Uh, is I there think, one? No, I don't. The right to have a pandemic in this country. I don't believe everybody there has is. a right to be get sick. I don't believe there is. Governor of Texas, thanks for nothing. Well, his uh, his policy stance is being challenged severely all across the state. Uh, the right to be able Houston to keep a districts. pandemic going. Yeah. The right to have 1920 well, and, still and have and a in, pandemic. And in Florida, you've got the same thing. School districts. Yeah, but the federal the court governor. said no to that. I know. Federal court said, wait a second. We have the, the country is in jeopardy. Right. The country is in jeopardy. Not the right of a person to be unvaccinated and stay unvaccinated. There is no protected class for people who are unvaccinated. It's a strange state of affairs we find ourselves in, and one that I think few of us would have anticipated a year ago if you told me that there was going to be a vaccine that eradicated this Remember the day we got the first trial numbers? Yeah. Out of Pfizer? And that 94, we thought jaws dropped. And the market took off. How about Regeneron? How many people are using the Regeneron drug when they get sick? More than there were. Yeah, it was 5%. It's 5 in June. It's now up to 30%. But the federal government has not encouraged the use of Regeneron. The NIH has not encouraged the use of the Regeneron drug that, that President Trump had that keeps you from getting hospital. What is this? Right. Now, Who still, is behind it still has to this? Be infused, doesn't it? But yeah. agreed. You're right. There's well, a lot of it available. For some reason, it's not well, getting we used have, to We the have ICUs that, that, that are jammed, and we have a drug that gets people out of the hospital, and the NIH is not in favor of it, and the FDA is not pushing it. Now, what is that? Is that coordinated? I don't know. How about stupidity? I'm not going to say that it's malice. Stupidity. You're just looking at me well, when you I, say stupidity. I, it is expensive, and they're obviously prioritizing vaccines, so you don't have to go to the hospital to begin with. But, but if the ICUs are jammed, why aren't we airlifting all of the Regeneron that we have just sitting around? Why are I mean, cost points important. It. Like you got to go to the hospital typically to get infused. You got to be there you for many hours. And a you can lot do of it at home and it's two are... hours. You can do it at home. Really? At home, Regeneron. Len Schleifer's coming to my house and doing it for me. What? No, but I have gone. You got a guy. <laughs> He's got <laughs> a guy for everything. What let's the hope, hell? Let's hope you don't. I'm need prepared. It. Yeah. Oh, I know. No, you but are. my doctor said on record. He said, "Listen, I can get it for you because it's available." Len Schleifer tells you to get it. His co-chief is saying, "What a crime is this that we have this thing, and this thing's going to be the illness is going to be here for a long time because we're not using the weapons we have, and we have governors who are saying, "Yes, no, we have a protected class. The people who want to get sick can give it to us." Amen. I'm looking on Twitter right now. I see one of these guys right now. Well, they're just great. You know, and I wish them the best of luck. You are just nonstop pro-vax. How dare you? No, nonstop the end of a disease. Jim. This guy was pro-polio, probably. We had no right to take that sugar cube. When we come back this morning, a Boeing is said to be facing some new scrutiny from the FAA. We'll fill you in on that. We'll talk to Medtronic as well about the degree to which COVID is impacting procedural volumes. That's coming up later on this morning. Futures continue to look green. More Squawk on the Street from the NYSE in a moment. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. 
crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big-picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. The FAA is said to be launching a review of Boeing after employees reported facing undue pressure over safety matters. The Wall Street Journal cites sources in an August 19th letter from the agency to the jet maker. The FAA says 35 percent of company employees surveyed experienced numerous problems, including difficulties being transparent with regulators. Boeing spokesperson tells the paper the company is taking these matters, quote, with the utmost seriousness. Uh, you think about those kinds of stories, Jim, when you see Delta today ordering some new A321s? I'm astonished. I, I go back and forth with Boeing, uh, and every time I think it's over, problems, there's new problems. Obviously, there's, uh, there, there's something very wrong at Boeing, and my charitable trust owns it, and I'm a big believer in the company. I have been a believer in the company since uh, my father said it saved his life, World War II. But uh, David, I... Sometimes I feel that uh, they need some sort of truth and reconciliation going on there. All right, now, well, anybody what that mean? What, what does that mean, truth and well, reconciliation? Let's, um, let, let's have an independent investigator find out what happened. Uh, of what? Wait, of the... Well, what, reviewing I Boeing mean, we've had one of safety pressures. Yeah. No, I would like to know how many of them were really pressured. Mm-hmm. I mean, was it 30%? Was it Do we need to have a... Do we need to have a, 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 I don't know, a special master there? I don't know what to say. I am a huge believer in Boeing, but I, I, it is very difficult to wake up like every other week and see, holy cow, that's it. Didn't know that. Do you think that that's an overstated story? I don't know. That's the either. thing you don't know, and you well, don't know who's, what kind of problems are being brought to the fore by certain employees or whether there is something else there. That they have an axe to grind. You just don't know. Well, it could always. be. What you mean? It might be unions. I don't. I they mean, move the plane. They move manufacturing to South Carolina. I mean, the legislation does allow, right? So that what right to be disgruntled? No, that Boeing is now subject to as a result of the matter. Well, look, Boeing is a national treasure. I, I. At what point do we? Is it 
clear, Carl, that everything that went wrong has been fixed. Do you need new management again? I mean, do they want a new CEO again? Oh, that's what we did this last time. But isn't that what we did yeah, already? Right. We did the new CEO. We to play some workforce? I don't know. Yeah. Look, I'm just, that's... I'm posing the question, David. You're obviously recalcitrant today on some of my more important issues. I know you don't favor the right for the people who are va- unvaccinated. To... No, I don't favor any rights for the unvaccinated. You're happy I said that now? Now they can hate got me it, more than they hate tape. you. <laughs> we'll get right. Kramer's Mad Dash. We'll count down to the opening bell as uh, futures do look steady. Opening bell in just about 10 minutes. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create. Like Olu Shehi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Time for a mad dash. Uh, what do we got? Seven and a half minutes for, uh, let's call it seven minutes before we get started with an opening bell. Right. You are, you're on fire today. I want to talk you're, positive you're, for a second. You're a bit of an angry man, but yeah. Talk, I am a right. bit of an angry man. I yeah. think the cruise industry could be completely damaged if not finished by this. I don't want that. What do you want to talk about on the Mad Dash? I want to talk about how great Best Buy is. I want to talk about how great Corey Barry is. I don't know if you've met her yet. She's no. Best Buy CEO. Mm-hmm. She's remarkable. Uh, people are looking for 3 to 6% forecast for comp store sales. How about 9-11? She triples it, okay? How about the, the fact, David, that she has, get this, Enterprise comparable sales increase of 20%. And what is it? Well, it's people. I think I could read it as being uh, office at home, but they're also home theater, appliances, computing, mobile phones, and services. By the way, you want a, you want a ridiculously positive read-through for this? Tell me. GameStop. Really? Yeah. GameStop. There's a lot of appliances. David, right. you still can't get. You use the Twitch. But no. Addictive. It is, right? It's addictive. But how much of this is online? How much is in store? And then I wonder when it comes to GameStop, obviously, we talk about the threat of the digital distribution of video games, right? You don't need to go in store. David, don't get existential with me. Sorry. Our unique omnichannel assets, including our ability to inspire what is possible across the breadth of consumer electronics products, as well as our ability to keep it working together. She has got it. Now, let me tell you the real secret here, and I think people have to know this, and people don't know. This woman spent a fortune building up supply chain if anything would ever go wrong. She did it over two years. She saw it coming. Who else saw this coming? You had to see around the corner. Supply chain issues did not bother Best Buy because she invested, Corey Barrett, invested to make it so if anything ever happened, she'd get her stuff. And that's how you do 20% comp store sales. That's how you do it. All right. All right. I'd say you have a stock that potentially, at least, at the opening bell. Oh, David, look at this. This is. You want to see the future? Yeah. Want me to see the future? Here's. Oh, there was a Telstra. There we go. Oh, well, that's the future. You have the magic finger. I do. I have an angry finger. You have a magic finger. He's angry today. Every part of him is angry. Well, I'm against. I'm against. I'm against COVID. I'm, I'm coming out. We got an opening bell coming up just a few minutes. By the way. You can catch us anytime. You can listen to Jim be angry anytime. Follow us. Squawk on the Street, the opening bell podcast. 
Today marks uh, Tim Cook's 10th anniversary as the CEO of Apple. Companies had quite a run since he succeeded the legendary Steve Jobs. Apple shares up a thousand percent during his tenure, handily outperforming the S&P. And this morning, Goldman reiterates Apple neutral price target 140. Jim, they talk about the the uh, holy grail number over there is, in fact, ARPU which right. uh, they estimate COVID sort of elevated, and they, they right. worry it comes back. Uh, uh, Josh and I, uh, Josh Lipton and I always have a conversation with Tim Cook, Mukamestri, before the conference call. And I have said, listen, I need to know ARPU, and I've been wanting to build revenue per user so that I can come up with a number about what pe- an average person is worth, given the fact that they have almost 99% consumer satisfaction. And they've always had the same answer, which is not in your life, basically. But I think we're about to get that. I urge them to break out revenues and service. I think we're going to, this is the beginning. Now, can I just say, uh, I was redoing my reading at 545. I'm surprised it was this late, but it came over. At 545, I paid Apple um, 30, $35.92. I don't know if you guys have ever noticed what time you end up paying Apple things. Do you but know David, what you're paying them for? I know I get those. This happened to be for the Wall Street Journal. I pay them for something oh, okay. every day. Because I'm paying them also. Every yeah. Day. Yeah, but you know, let's add those up. Yeah. But you, know, you like that? Yeah. Not a bad, not a bad successor, I think, since yeah. I think it's, it's done pretty great well. One. As and people wondered at the time whether you could ever, of course, replace the iconic Steve Jobs. Can we give can we give Tim Cook the idea that he has built a revenue that he has managed to build a service revenue stream that is in its infancy? Uh, you know you know what I, I'd like to call you from now on. Well, tell me, Coach Lasso. Because you're someone whom I root for. I'm so positive. I root. I root. I root for you. Positive. Yeah. yeah, you're like the most. You're like Led Tasso. <laughs> uh, I do think that this is the beginning of Apple breakout, and we better start monitoring this number. Uh, because as far as I'm concerned, I don't like the new apocalyptic that I got pushed last night. I don't like apocalyptic dramas, but there are a lot of people who like apocalyptic dramas. But I think this 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 Goldman piece, Rod Hall, get on board, Mr. Hall. Uh, he's hey. he's been stubborn yeah, for he's a very long stubborn. time. Stubborn is that yes. better than wrong? Yes. About, uh, yeah. I, I just speaking of breakouts, Jim. I want to get you on Palo Alto. Palo Alto uh, up thirteen percent. That's uh, looks like a new high. Uh, B of A today says um, I think they use the word stellar in describing the results, Jim, and they said maybe uh, the trading desk, maybe I'm being dramatic, but I genuinely believe this year is sort of our day one on the rebirth of cyber in public markets. Well, I I spent a lot of time with Nikesh Aurora last night. By the way, as a big September uh, 13th uh, meeting where he's going to unveil some new things. But what what Palo Alto had this, what was considered to be a failed business model. They had on-premise, and then Nikesh added uh, the cloud. Well, it turns out that they're now the number one cloud native company. They've passed all these other companies that we cover all the time. Uh, the on-premises turned out to be good. And why? And, David, you will love this. Tell me. Okay. People who work at home represent maybe the greatest security risk of our day. Mm. And Nikesh has solved it. Do you know he had a $100 million contract? One contract. One contract. $100 million. For, pe- For people working at home. Well, no, because because it helps secure the hype. The, he came to me when this thing started, and he said, "Jim, welcome to the hybrid economy." And I said, "Huh?" And he explained to me what was going to happen. He had a vision, man had a vision, and he operated on that vision. He bought a lot of different companies. He cobbled together or stitched together, whatever. But he has got this. He is, here's the way I described it. I went to him. I said, "Listen, if I'm a bad guy, of which I'm not." 
uh, although Twitter says I am, uh, they found a bunch of guys, the CFO of Twitter last um, The If I am a bad guy, I am going to say, you know what, I'm going after the car that has the open doors, right? Sure. Not the closed. Right. This is the closed door. I wouldn't mess with Palo Alto. If I'm a bad guy, I'll say, so they're Who's helping. the other guy? So they're helping to secure the at-home use of empl- that employees do. In other words, that are networks, perhaps, that are not as secure as when you're working at work or laptops that aren't as secure or software, that, things of that nature. I think you expressed it better than I could. Okay. So that's what they've been doing. Yes. And that's obviously added additional well, revenue. Other things, but they it's can... been additional spending for these companies, although they've been saving in many other well, areas. Well, I mean, I think that the front page of the incredible handout that Nikesh had has, a he- has all the headlines of the cyber different cyber yes. issues. I mean, the stock's up 55 because they may be now best in show. Right. I, I, if I were to start a company that was hybrid, I would say I would call Nikesh. Uh, obviously, if it's like eight people, Nikesh is not going to help me. But he, I'd say just let me write you a blank check because when someone writes them a $100 million check, I want to be in on what they have. That company is doing – Nikesh was – they were very skeptical about Nikesh when he came in. He came in and he bought a ton of stock at 200 and said – Go be skeptical against me. Go ahead. Bet against me. Go ahead. Well, and now we know that, um, or at least we believe that tomorrow's uh, cyber summit at the White House will include Tim Cook and Nadella from Microsoft and Andy Jassy from Amazon. I hope that they ask Nadella about how many people still have an old Office 365, because that seems to be some sort of gateway that a lot of people are worried about now. The one they just raised prices on. Well, I mean, but there's you have to do the really old stuff. It's this is not Sacha's fault by any means. How companies can be so negligent as to have old, old software when Sacha would say, listen, that's ridiculous. You got to upgrade, but it'll be good. Now, Pat Gelsinger's not there from Intel. I have not seen his name (laughs) mentioned, but doesn't mean he won't be. (laughs) If there's a if there's a camera. I'm sorry. Is that a lot of though? Overall, guys, uh, reopening play is definitely intact. Las Vegas Sands, Wynn, the airlines, the cruise lines, Jim, MGM, you name it. They're all in the top 15. Well, I mean, look, everybody feels that feels safer uh, knowing that I think that we know that if you get it's no longer emergency use, uh, it is incredible how many people were able to get away with it. People among us. You know what, Davis, like people among us, people among us, what are still unvaccinated? Uh, some are, yes, without a doubt. In fact, maybe among us right here. Who knows? No, not, not here us. at this desk. Not, right, not here. No. But look, I think that there's a, yeah, the reopening trade that was anticipated yesterday with the fabulous market uh, is being played out as one after another of these companies feels like that they can, they now have the cover to be able to do it. They can now say to their employees, listen, you're out. Now, Bob Chapek, to his credit, says, you know what? We have a lot of younger people go to Disney World. We are, are a great courtesy. We have a want to do a great job. But we're not going to have people who are not willing to be vaccinated after a certain point. I think that's the way of the future. I you, think give, you, know, you give people a, a, you, a that time. Is, that is the way. 60 um, days. And I think many companies that are going to mandate these vaccines... Uh, are going to say, fine, if it's for return to office for now. Right. And by the way, we all know that's been put off a bit because of the Delta variant by many companies, at least. Mm-hmm. There are expectations for when employees will be back at least 
part of the time. Okay. Let's call it two or three days a week. But to your point, Jim, and I hear this a lot, at some point when you've mandated vaccines for returning employees and then you've got people who won't get vaccinated, therefore won't come back, you will say to them, sorry, you've got to go. You've got to, out. You've got to leave. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, go you're to done. a place, a state where people don't care. I mean, look, I was speaking to Brian Chesky last week. I happen to think Brian Chesky is CEO of Airbnb. I think he's one of the greats. I mean, I've been following his career. You see what they're doing housing Afghan refugees? Yeah. 20,000 starting today for free. I felt that I think it had to be brought up. When you do something like that, how can we not salute that man? We, we should. By the way, I should mention Jeffries is having a global trading charity day today to support organizations focused on Afghan refugees, U.S. military veterans. Uh, so and trade, trade as well. with them. So 100, 100% of commissions go to, go to that charity. Yeah. Jeffries. Richard Handler? Yeah. Let's salute him, too. Yeah. You salute anybody who helps Afghan refugees. And this Brian Chesky. I mean, good for him that also the opening of America's Goody was a, had a little bit of a downbeat call. I was critical of him that for being this downbeat because I wanted him to actually to be a little more uh, positive. Sometimes I do that to, to, to uh, Led Tasso over here. And, and I think the fact that he is doing this, I hope, sets a very big trend, along with Mr. Handler and Jeffries. Um, guys, I wanted to talk SPACs, and I think we'll do it as a favor report if that's okay. Not that it re- really matters, but... I get maybe I get Johnny Gilbert. No. Oh, come on. The Johnny Gilbert. <laughs> You're still in the running because I was going to get that and I'm doing it on SPACs. So I'd get the Johnny Gilbert and then we also do the SPAC thing. I mean, you got to live. Listen, I, you know, I'm not getting any younger. These are the things I live for. <laughs> now you talking. room. Now you're talking. Thank you. That's what I wanted to see. Yeah. A little life Here from you. The host of the Faber Report, David <laughs> Faber. Made my day. Man, Thank my, you, Johnny. My Gilbert. colleague is my colleague. <laughs> you, you, you didn't and you never gave Matt the answers. I verified that. <laughs> no, I didn't give anybody any answers. I don't even know if Matt has gone on because Matt disappeared. They had five more shows. Mike Richards did five shows. Oh, I don't oh, know. Oh, we'll is that see. what happened? Um, oh, never mind. We'll know till mid-September, Can I guess. Can go on to the next thing, please? Yeah, let's go on to the next thing. Let's talk SPACs, actually, and this may be important. You know, last week I was away. I don't know if you guys covered it, of course, this lawsuit uh, that uh, that came against Bill Ackman's SPAC. Yeah. Uh, Tontine Holdings, remember, PSTH. Um, and then led Mr. Ackman uh, in a letter to Cheryl to say, hey, you know what? I may return the money and then move on to this new creation I have in mind called a SPARC which he has to get SEC approval for. But I mentioned this lawsuit in particular because it could have broader ramifications for more SPACs themselves. Um, uh, The case was being argued by Robert Jackson. He's a former SEC commissioner and John Morley, a law professor at Yale. And it basically said that uh, the SPAC isn't an operating company, but it's actually an investment company and therefore should be regulated by the Investment Company Act of 1940. There's a look at Pershing Square Tontine, which, by the way, remember, came at 20. So it is below the issue price, and it may very well be that he returns the money. Remember, he tried the universal deal initially through the SPAC, then outside. Anyhow. um, But what's important here is for the broader SPAC universe, because what I'm hearing, and I have not been able to get a hold of Mr. Jackson and confirm this as yet, but a number of people this morning mentioned to me, that they are hearing that this is going to become a broader claim against many other SPACs that basically says, you know what, you take investor money and, yeah, you say you're putting it in treasuries, but maybe you're putting it in some other things. Essentially, um, you are an investment company, should be regulated that way. And if, in fact, this lawsuit is broadened to include many other SPACs, 
it could have a chilling effect. Um, remember, time is the enemy of many SPACs. They get their money. They right. have the two-year period in which they have to actually re- get a deal, get the deal approved by their shareholder base, and close the deal. Of course, we see that all the time. So, but I did want to point that out. Um, unclear, you know, where the SEC is on this. Of course, this lawsuit did get some attention last week because it did include, as I said, Mr. Jackson, who is a former SEC and a total heavyweight and a heavyweight. Um, and the question again is, is investing in securities is all the company's ever done since its IPO? And this is what the complaint against Tontine had to say. And therefore, uh, it's, you know, simply buying some stock is not what a SPAC's meant to do. Um, we'll see whether it gets broadened out. But that apparently is at least the talk of many people in the SPAC universe this morning. Uh, and that's it. Uh, by the way, it remember, the, this is a man. I was trying to remember what he'd done. He was against... Uh, which is something you care tremendously about, dual-class stuff. Robert Jackson was. Yes. Yeah. He'd really been a leader in favor of, uh, right. of investors. They, they brought the lawsuit rights. on behalf of a Tontine holder, of course. Right, well. but I'm saying, you know, typically there's a lot of guys who just chase these lawsuits. This yep. is Mr. Jackson is anything, but so oh, he is a lifelong Yankee fan, which does. Carl, we'll keep a close eye on this, and we'll bring the, any updates as we get them. It's really good. That's good. That was a good Johnny Gilbert's back. <laughs> when we come back, as we said earlier, Medtronic posting a quarterly beat, raising guidance on stronger demand for medical devices. Stocks up 2%. We'll talk to the CEO about where the pandemic fits in the company's outlook. Uh, take a look at Treasuries this morning. Uh, not a lot of eco data on the tape today. Uh, we are going to get new home sales in about 20 minutes. 10-year, 1.28. NASDAQ record high. S&P about three points away. Shares of Medtronic rallying after reporting profit and sales that beat expectations. Medical device maker also increasing its full-year earnings outlook. I really like this quarter. Medtronic Chairman CEO Jeffrey Martha joins us now. And Jeffrey, once again, congratulations on a great number. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me. We're really pleased with the quarter. You know, I'm trying to figure out, Jeffrey, where you spend more talking about how great your cardiac rhythm and heart failure was or just the innovations and how much the innovations have really added to the growth here. Because I think what you're putting out uh, it organically is really driving sales here. Absolutely. Look, um, we've had 190 product launches in the last year. That's a, that's a record for us. And the underlying strength of the business is there. You, know, you mentioned uh, cardiac rhythm. We've talked in the past, I think you've even brought on your show, our, um, our, our, our Micra uh, leadless pacemaker. That's, that's driving a lot of growth over the last year and taking a lot of share and expanding the market. Um, and, you know, and then in AFib, we've got a number of new therapies to treat atrial fibrillation, which, as you know, is, uh, is, is a uh, you know, kind of very painful uh, condition. And, and the current you know, pills that, they're, that are out there to serve it just don't cut it, really. And, and, I, and I think MedTech plays a big role in AFib. Catheter-based heart valve replacement and repair. And that's just our cardiology uh, side. I, you know, we've talked about diabetes in the past, uh, Jim, and this is the, an area where we fell behind and you know, you aren't, you're not going to recognize our business, our diabetes business, over the course of the next 18 months as we've got new pumps and sensors and infusion sets and new algorithms. So the underlying, like I said, the R&D pipeline is really strong. Throughout the entire COVID period, we kept our foot on the accelerator, and you're starting to see the benefits of that. Yeah, Jeff, I feel that there's people who are going to say, well, wait a second. This is, these numbers are so good, uh, Jeffrey, because what's happened is, is that there weren't uh, people going to the hospital last year. How many times can you really defer structural heart and aortic problems, coronary and peripheral vascular? These are not the things that are optional, are they? No, I mean, look, some of these you can defer. 
you know, the, the term elective, I think, is a misnomer, right? It, it's more about deferrable, and there's varying degrees of deferability here. We have certain businesses like pain stimulation for back pain or, or leg pain or, or, or spine surgery. You can defer for a couple of weeks. But when it comes to things like stroke and, and, and coronary stenting for uh, heart attacks, uh, or like you mentioned, uh, you know, with, with um, uh, heart, you know, heart valve replacement, these things can't be deferred for very long, if, if at all, right? In, in the case of stroke, time is tissue, time is brain. So that, that is really, as the hospitals have gotten better equipped to deal with COVID and patient sentiment has dramatically changed with the vaccine in terms of their willingness to come to the hospital, we're seeing the business, uh, you know, come back uh, fast. And prior to Delta, we were at or even above pre-pandemic levels. Well, Jeffrey, one of the things, you know, I'm thrilled about, I've been following everything you do in neuromodulation. Uh, this is extraordinary. 37% organic. Uh, give our viewers uh, the working knowledge of what you're doing in this, because this may be something we have to do missionary work to get everybody to realize how far along you are. Well, hey, well, thanks for the thanks for the question and thanks for the support, Jim. I mean, neuromodulation really is 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 dealing with electrical stimulation of the nervous system, you know, the brain and the spinal cord to treat conditions that don't really have great options like Parkinson's disease or essential tremor. And we're working on other neurological conditions or like back pain and leg pain, like I mentioned earlier, or something that people don't talk about that afflict you know, millions, uh, 12 million uh, patients globally is overactive bladder. Uh, we use the, the um, a neurostimulator to stimulate the sacral nerve, uh, primarily in, in women, to control overactive, uh, overactive bladder. So, and the science is evolving quickly. Uh, and the technology is evolving quickly. It's smaller. It's less invasive. It lasts longer. And we're getting better efficacy every day. And the big change here recently, Jim, we've talked about this on your show before, is the ability to close the loop. So we're like, I'll take deep brain stimulation for Parkinson's. We actually can stimulate certain structures in the brain to mitigate Parkinson's symptoms. But now, in addition to that, we can sense the response of the nervous system and then modulate that signal and personalize that therapy to get even better results. And I really think the next decade is going to be um, just, uh, you know, monumental in the in the in the course, the arc of neuromodulation and what it can do for patients around the world. I hope people realize that neuromodulation, I think, is a much better way than some of the uh, the actual medicines that people are trying that have failed over and over and over again. I think you're doing breakthrough work. Well, I have to ask you about diabetes, Jeffrey, because you know, I'm always hoping that you guys will get back right. in the race against Abbott and Dexcom, and you put that uh, you know, increase two percent. I know that you're a competitive fellow, so you can't be happy with that. No, we're not happy at all, and we are behind. And I'm glad you asked the question. It's good to keep me on my toes here. Um, yeah, we we the underlying strength of the diabetes business is a little stronger than those numbers represent because of the way we report our numbers here. But but put put, put that aside. The the big story here is that we fell behind. And we've doubled down on this business over the last two years uh, and uh, put a lot, almost doubled our R&D into the business and um, have a huge pipeline of products on all segments. So a new pump, new sensors, new, uh, the infusion sets that go with it that last longer so you don't waste um, uh, insulin. And um, we've even got a new uh, form factor in in a smart pen. And many of these products are already on the market in Europe and getting a great response. I mean, our pumps time and range, which is a measure of uh, keeping the patient in, in, a, in a range of acceptable uh, glucose levels, our time and range is the highest of any pump. 
Now, now the trick is we've got to get it from Europe uh, into the United States and other right. markets around the world. And once that happens, you'll see our diabetes business coming back strong. Well, that matters tremendously. But in the meantime, I want to uh, congratulate you for everything you're doing. I know people from the Brain Foundation or uh, American Brain Foundation thrilled about the work you're doing. And you're doing breakthrough things that people must recognize beyond just what you've done uh, uh, for, uh, for aortic, for heart, for everything else. And so congratulations, great quarter. And I'm thrilled that you came on Squawk on the Street. Thank you, Jim. Absolutely. Take a look at uh, the markets here. Pretty good Tuesday morning setting up as uh, energy back to 67, uh, coming off uh, the best day since April. We'll get stopped trading with Jim in a minute. Time for Jim and stop trading. A lot of people are thinking, what do we do? We want to own Bitcoin, but we don't know what to do. And I had felt initially that what would happen is that Coinbase would be the de facto way to play, so to speak, uh, Coin, uh, any one of these cryptos. Well, Needham comes out today and says basically that's that's the case. And they initiate a buy with a $420 price target. Very well argued about why this is the company that you should be using. Uh, and because they're doing a rapid exchange business, they got a bull case that is uh, rather extraordinary. I suggest people uh, who are trying to figure out, well, geez, I is it Ethereum? Is it, should I do Coinbase? Should I do Dogecoin, which is, of course, the most popular on Robinhood? Use Coinbase Global. Uh, well, they talk about um, opportunities beyond exchange services, right? Custody, yield-bearing products. Their 420 target would take you back to the opening day high. They sound like a bank. It makes it sound like a bank. 420 is that the marijuana? What is that? Yes, yes. Funding, funding secured. Well, well. So I just funding secured. Yeah. How's he doing? Hey, I saw the pickup truck. Hideous. We didn't mention the fact that Ford had to double, I was, double that was the my orders. Pick for this they block. can't make. I was going to do it. Ford, they can't they, make enough of the light. They can't make so. it. And by the way, it's a, something like a huge percentage are just all new buyers to Ford. That may be. I don't know. Have you guys seen the pickup, the Tesla pickup? Oh, not the Tesla. Well, I mean, no. it's been a while, but yes. Like, the the F one fifty, I remember quite. The F one fifty is heaven. I have super duty, heavenly. I'm waiting for my damn my Maverick. When is that coming? I don't know. Talk um, to your buddy Farley. No, I called the Otis Ford. <laughs> I talked to my buddy at Otis Ford. Fourth generation. Really? Yeah. And, jeez, oh, wow. you get me. Meanwhile, tonight, Otis Ford. Prothena, I think they have a better Alzheimer's drug than anything we've seen from Lily or from Biogen, which to me is just a $56,000 drug that's a drug trip to nowhere. And Chris Kendall is doing more Denbury than any company about carbon capture. I think Exxon should buy Denbury. Exxon is, says they're doing quite a bit. They should just buy Denbury or get do a business deal with them because I think I'm against carbon. I'm against carbon. I'm against dirty skies. And I'm against the right to be able to get COVID. Do I cover everything? Yes. People on Twitter already are saying, well, I have every right to give you COVID. Now, there's a stance that Jefferson or Hamlin or maybe Madison would certainly enjoy, right? Or maybe Aaron Burr and Robert E. Lee. Oh, sorry, I'm not mentioning him anymore. <laughs> we'll see you tonight, Jim. Mad Money, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. 
Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. 